So here we go. We're three lines from the bottom of Memhe on the base. And um, today's daf is daf Memvav, like we said. Let's introduce this Gemara by reviewing the Mishnah that we had on Amud Aleph. Because the Gemara is going to begin by asking a question on our Mishnah. And the Mishnah on Amud Aleph, if you look back, was yesterday's discussion when you fill up the cracks in a bowl with dough. Right? So the ratio of the Mishnah had said that if it's a Kazayis, you're Chayiv. If it's less than a Kazayis, you're not Chayiv. That's the Mishnah. We had a whole discussion. Maybe it depends where it is in the bowl. Oh, but the Maisa, this is the Halacha of the Mishnah. The Halacha of the Mishnah is size of a Kazayis on Pesach, as far as Chomets, you're Chayiv. Less a Kazayis, you're not. But then keep reading the Mishnah. The Mishnah says, The same halacha is true by Tumah. That what? Keep reading the Mishnah. It's fascinating. It's the same as Tumah, meaning that if you're makbid on it being there, it's a chatzitz. And if, it, and if you're not makbid, it's not a chatzitz. Says the Gemara, to begin, our, 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 to begin learning today, that, that's not the same halacha as Pesach. What did we say about the chametz on Pesach? If you have dough in a bowl, if it's a kazayas, it's a chayv. If it's not a kazayas, it's not a chayv. And then you say, oh, v'chein lenyan tumah, by the way, same halacha, that if you're makbid, we weren't talking about makbid, that never was a discussion when it came to Pesach. So what's this idea of v'chein, and similarly, and the same halacha applies to tumah? It's merely not true. So let's understand the zuk de gemara, three lines to the bottom of mem hey amad when it comes to Tuma, if a person's makbid on the dough being there, it's a chatzitza, uh, as far as being metaherit. The im writes a but if you're not makbid, you don't care that it's there. You want it to be there. You want the dough to be there in the bowl. So hareyu kareva. So now it's treated like the bowl, and it's not considered a chatzitza. Zok gemara me dummy. Are these two halachas similar? What are you talking about? In the ratio by Chomets on Pesach, it's dependent on a Kazayas. It's not dependent on whether you're a Makbid or not. but by Oh, if you're Makbid on it being there, then it's a Chatzitza. If you're not Makbid on it being there, it's not a Chatzitza. It has nothing to do with the sheer Kazayas. So what do you mean, Vechein? Answers the Gemara, step number two. Amr of Yehuda, of Yehuda says, you're right. Itaka is not going to make any sense if you're going to understand it that way because they do have separate halachas and therefore Ema, let's say we're going to change the words of the Mishnah because the words don't make sense instead of saying is the same, it's actually going to say but Tumah is different ask the Gemara Abai says you can't just make that up to make you happy right? it's not what the Mishnah says sorry Charlie that's not what it says. It says, and similarly, the same halacha applies to Tumah. Don't change the words. So Abaye has to come up with a new plan, a new idea, how to answer this question. Elam Rabbi, rather Abaye says, This is what we mean to say. Top of today's daf, daf memba, bamad alif. The same halacha applies when you combine 
Tuma during Pesach, that it has to be a particular shear, a particular measurement. But during the rest of the year, we're taka going to have a machlaikas about, um, about Tuma. And let's explain. What's going on here? What's the case of combining Tuma? Kegain, for example, the the If let's say you have less than the size of an egg of Eichlin, now the halacha is that in order for something to be metame something else, for for a, a vessel to be metame something else, it has to be the sheer kibetza. It has to be the size of an egg. Okay, that's the that's the minimum amount. If something's less than the shear of a kibetza, it cannot transmit tuma. So here I have less than a kibetza of Eichlin, so it can't transmit Tuma. Vinogu Bahai Botsik. And this tume, tume item that's less than the size of a beta touched the bull. Bipesach de Isurai Khashiv. So on Pesach, when the dough is usur, so now it's Khashiv, it's considered something Khashiv, it's considered something important because it's an Isser. And I know this has to be gotten rid of. Now, why is it Chashav on Pesach? Because we know even the size of a Kezayis. Keep in mind, this is very important. I should have introduced like this. A Kezayis is half a size of a Kebetz. So, to be Chayav on Chametz on Pesach, as long as you have the sheer Kezayis, that's considered Chametz. So, we, now we have an interesting halacha. It's on Pesach. I've got something that's bigger than a Kezayis, but less than a Kebetz. So, as, if you look at the laws of Tumah, it can't transmit tuma, but maybe since the laws of Pesach demand that this kezayis is chametz, maybe now all of a sudden it's elevated to like a status of oh, this is important because this is something that needs not important in a good way, but this is something that needs to be reckoned with. It's something that needs to be gotten rid of, and I'll say mitztarev. Maybe it could combine with other food and transmit tuma. Bishariu meisashana, but on the other days of the year when it's not Pesach. Where the whole thing is dependent on kpeda, whether you're makbed, whether you want it there, whether you don't want it there. So then we'll say, If you want it there, then it's like the bull. And if you don't want it there, then it is not like the bull. Period. That is Abayi's answer. To express this answer in our own words outside. According to Abaye, here's the question and answer. Our question was, why does the Mishnah say that when you have a kezayis of dough in the mixing bowl, it's chayev, less than a kezayis, you're not chayev. V'chein le'inyan tumah. And similarly, by the laws of tumah, it depends if you're a makbit or not. That doesn't make sense. It's a separate, it's a separate uh, focus, right? By the chametz, I'm focused on the size. By the Toma, I'm focused on the Hakpada. That was the question. Comes along Abai to answer like this. It's taka true that on Pesach, when something is Tame and the size of a Kezayis, it will be able to transmit Toma. Because it's no longer dependent on Makbid. The fact that a size of a kezayis is a problem on Pesach automatically makes it a problem. 
automatically makes it something that needs to be reckoned with. And even if it's less than a kibetza, it could be mitzvahic with something else. However, the other days of the year, then the measurement doesn't matter anymore. The only reason why the measurement matters is because it's Pesach. But when it's not Pesach, so though the size of a kezayis doesn't matter, the only thing that matters is the size of a kibetza. And Mamela, it's going to be dependent on whether I'm akbid. And that's what it means, v'chein le'inyan tuma. Similarly by tuma, that tuma on Pesach takes on Hilchas Pesach. Usually it's not the size of a kezayis, but if it's on Pesach, it will be the size of a kezayis. That's Abayi's take. Maskifla Rava. Rava asked the challenging question on Abayi's pshat. Mika Tani Mitztarif? Does the Mishnah say v'chein le'inyan tuma that Toma on Pesach, if you have less than a, if you have a Kazayas of dough, it's Mestarif to something else. But Hachaitzitz Katani, the Mishnah is talking about Chatzitza. It's not talking about combining to create Toma. It's talking about being a Chatzitza, about whether you're Makbit or not. It's, so it's not, the focus is not on measurements. Abai, according to you, there's still a focus on measurements. But it seems from the verbiage of the Mishnah, there's no, we're not, we're not, we're not worried about the measurements at all. All we're worried about is the Hakbada. So Rava wants to take a different shot than Abaye. Alama Rava, rather Rava says, no, I'll give you another mis- reason for the mission of Vechain. What does Vechain mean? Vechain lahala is tara reva. And similarly, when you want to make your mixing bowl tahar, when you want to mix your mix- mixing bowl tahar, oh, also it's a kazayas. What do you mean? Hechidami, what's the case? When the mixing bowl became tame, and now a person wants to do, do tevila. Person wants to be tevilah. You want to dip it in the mikvah to remove the tumah. You, it's tummy. You want to make it ice tummy. You want to make it tahar. Pesach be isura On Pesach, where um, dough is something that needs to be reckoned with, it's chutz, it's chashiv no matter what. And therefore, if there's any dough in the bowl, that's an automatic chatzitza because uh, dough on Pesach is chashiv. That's something that everybody reckons with. And if it's there, you can't say, oh, I didn't... No, everybody gets rid of their dough. If you have a little bit of dough on a regular Tuesday afternoon in November, then the dough being there, whether it's a chatzitz or not, will de- depend on whether the owner's makbid. But if he's happy that the dough is there on his mixing bowl, then it's considered like the, the bowl itself. And it will not be a chatzitza, it will not be a separation. That is Rava's pshat. So let's just say this outside. According to Rava's explanation of the Mishnah, what does it mean, v'chein le'inyan tumah? It means, and similarly, when it comes to removing tumah from, from a pot and making it tahar, it's go, and you want to do that on Pesach, so any dough that's the share of a kezayis on Pesach is automatically a chatzitza, because it is chashiv. Maskevler of Papa. So before, Rava asked a challenging question on Abaye, and therefore he gave his own shot. And now Rav Papa is going to ask a challenging question on Rav. Maskevler of Papa. Rav Papa asked a challenging question on Rav, and he says, Nikatani v'chein le'inyan tara. It doesn't say in the Mishnah, a halacha of Pesach, and then, and then we say, oh, v'chein le'inyan. It says v'chein le'inyan tumah. It doesn't say v'chein le'inyan tara. Rav, according to you, would say, oh, and also, by the way, if you want to know how to make something tahar, here's a similar halacha. Because according to Rav, we're dealing with the tefillah, which is the tahar process. The Papa says, the Mishnah says, we're talking about how to make something tummy. 
It says, Tumma. So how are you going to explain that? El Amr Papa, so Papa gives his own fourth potential take to explain the Chaim Le'inyan Tumma. He's not the fourth, it's not the fourth time he's doing it, but this is the fourth possible explanation. El Amr Papa, rather Papa says, V'chein Le'inyan Ha'irid Tumma The Mishnah means, if it's size Bekazayis of Chomets, it's a problem, less than, uh, in the book, if it's less, not a problem. V'chein Le'inyan Ha'irid Tumma La'areva. The, to cause a, a bull to become tummy, meaning, hey What's the case of this? If you have a sheretz, you have one of the the rodents that are tummy when they're dead, and it touches the dough. Now, where's the dough again? The dough is in the bowl, or well, yeah, it's in the cracks of the bowl. Okay. So now let's think about it. If the dough is part of the bowl that a sheretz touched, the whole bowl is tummy. Granted, it touched the dough. But if we're viewing the dough as part of the bowl, so now it's a bowl. So if I touch the dough, I touch the bowl. The whole bowl is tummy. If I view the dough as separate from the bowl, so then if the sheriff touches the dough, the only thing that became tummy was the dough itself. And the bowl would be something completely different. It would have the next status of tummy. So, so says the Gemara, on Pesach, where there's an iser of dough because of chametz, so then chaitzitz. It's considered a chatzitza, and the bowl's taka okay, because it's like the sheretz touched chametz dika dough. And now the dough is touching the bowl. And the tumah is not going to continue onto the bowl automatically. But not on Pesach, on a regular Tuesday in November, where it's not, the, the dough itself is not chasher for any particular reason. Nobody cares about dough on a Tuesday in November. So, so then, whether the dough is part of the bowl or not, it depends on whether the owner is makbid on it being there, whether he wants it to be there or doesn't want it to be there. In makbid of chaitzitz, if he doesn't want the dough to be there in the first place, then it is a chatzitza, it's not part of the bowl. In if he does like it there, harayu ka areva, then it's considered the bowl itself, and the bowl will be a rishon hatoma as if it, it itself touched the sheretz, because it did. The dough touched the sheretz, the dough is the bowl, so now the bowl touched the sheretz. Period. End of that entire discussion. End of um, that halacha. Okay, period. Brand new Mishnah. is a fascinating uh, Mishnah that's going to take us on a few different very halacha lemaises. Totally separate from Hochas Pesach. Okay? So we're in for a little bit of a change. There's two Mishnahis on this page. Right now we're in the middle of the page. If you notice, there's another Mishnah towards the bottom. So this is a, a short... Uh, uh, a short, quick gemara. Now, the Mishnah is going to start out with a very interesting expression, and I want to introduce it. It's going to talk about deaf dough. Ah, you'll say, does dough have ears? The answer is, maybe yeah, maybe no, but guess what? People with ears can also be deaf. Why did I say it like that? What does it mean? If somebody becomes, let's say somebody can't hear. They push it, can't hear. Do other people notice? No. Other people don't notice. People don't pick up on that. Unless the person says, you know, can, do, do you mind? I wasn't able to hear you. But the person doesn't look any different. Everything looks exactly the same. The Mishnah is going to talk about Batsei Kacherish. 
which Rashi is going to give two explanations to what deaf dough is. Rashi says either deaf dough is a very hard, thick dough, or it's referring to a dough that um, there's a reason, and we'll see why. There's a reason why we would think it's chametz, even though it doesn't look like chametz. You think it's chametz even though it doesn't look. The same way a cheres doesn't look different, this dough doesn't look different. But for some reason, as we'll get to, we have a concern it may very well already be chametz. Okay? So that is batzik hacheres. A deaf dough. Em yesh bai keyaitze bai shehechmetz. If there's another dough similar to it, that another dough that looks like this that became chametz, harezeh aser, then we're going to view this suffake deaf dough as being aser as well. And surprisingly, and I want everybody to notice this, surprisingly, this is going to be the first time that the Gemara in Mesechtas Psachim introduces what in the world chametz is. How does something become chametz? We keep talking about, oh, you go to the matzah bakeries, you got 18 minutes. Who says? Who says you got 18 minutes? Do we don't learn that in the Gemara? When is something chametz? When is something not chametz? Interestingly, this Gemara, this short Gemara over here, is going to be, this is the Gemara that we're going to be learning this whole thing of 18 minutes uh, of letting dough just sit is going to cause it to become chametz. So here we go. Zakti Gemara. The Mishnah says, if there's another dough that looks like the deaf dough, so the deaf dough is chametz. Ask the Gemara, what about if there is no other dough that looks like this deaf dough? What's the halacha then? Amrav Avo, Amrav Shemelakish, Kadesh Yilachodam, Mi Migdal Nunyan Litveriyat. Then it depends. If the dough has been sitting long enough that a person can walk from Migdal Nunya to Tiberia, which is the distance of a mill. Okay? Now, what is the distance of a mill? It's a little less than a uh, little less than a mile. Says the Gemara, Savanema Mill. Why don't you just why'd you say, oh, the amount of time it takes to walk from Migdal Nunya to Tiberia, a mill, say a mill. Mar says, How come Ashmalah and the shoe of the mill can make down Nunya of Ad Tiveria? Maybe you don't know how big, a, how big a mill is. So if you want to know how big a, a mill is, go measure Migdal Nunya to Tiveria. Amri Abavo, Amri Shimalakish. Abavo says, Name Shimalakish, Ligabo. If there's somebody who's there specifically to knead the dough, okay, and this guy, um, now wants to take his vessels because they became tummy. He doesn't want to use tummy vessels on the dough. So the halacha is you're not supposed to make dough tummy. So you have to be metaherit. How far do you need to go to be metaherit? To what extent? So when it comes to legabal, to kneading dough, and the chiyav of davening with a minion, and the chiyav to wash one's hands before eating bread, are ba'a milan. You have to walk at least four mil, okay? Meaning, if the uh, uh, a mil we say is approximately eighteen minutes, okay? So if a person has to travel more than seventy-two minutes to go to Minyan, there's no chiyuv to go to Minyan. If a person has to travel more than seventy-two minutes to uh, wash their hands, there's no chiyuv 
to wash one's hands. Now, even if you're unsure, you're not chayav either. Let's say you're unsure. Okay, you have to know that it's within that uh, that it's within that distance. Okay. Okay. Zakti Gemara, Amar Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak. Rav Nachman Yitzchak says, "Ivu Amara." It wasn't Rabbi Avo, rather it was Ivu. Varba Amarba v'chodem inayu ibud. And the halacha is that there uh, there uh, actually is four halachas that you got to walk four mil for. V'chodem inayu ibud. And the fourth one is about working on the leather. What's the halacha of leather? So there's a Mishnah that we're about to read, the Tanan, the Kulon She'ibdon, that um, when you take hides, when you take leathers, and they were ibdon, from the word avad, they were already processed. Or they were walked upon, uh, the amount that it's supposed to be worked on. Right? They, they, they would walk on the leathers and, and work the leather and you know change the skin into leather. So if that process was done, the halacha is tahirim. They now become tar, meaning it's not considered achila, it's not considered part of the animal, part of the food anymore, and it's a whole new entity. It becomes tar. Chutz me'ar ha'adam, except for skin of a person. Skin of a person, if a person passes away and they strip the skin off, no matter how much that skin is worked on, it's going to be considered skin. The kama What is the usual amount of work for an animal's hide? Amar Rabbi Ivu Amar Rabbi mil milan. If the person walked on it, the distance, the back and forth, right? The distance of four mil, that's considered uh, processed hides. It's not considered part of the animal, a dead animal anymore. And it's no longer Tomei. Amar Rabbi Yaisi, Rabbi Chanina. Rabbi Yaisi, Rabbi Chanina says, Leishanu ela lefanav. This whole halacha of having to travel four mil to do these mitzvos is only if it's if it's on your route. If it's in the direction that you're walking. If you just passed by a rest stop and now you want to uh, wash on a sandwich. Right? Or... It comes time, uh, comes time for minion. You don't have to go back out of your way to fulfill these mitzvahs. If it's on your way, though, you have to keep going in the direction that you're going up until four miles. Amar Ravacha, Ravacha says, Umina milhu It seems that only if it's a mil, you don't need to go back. It seems that if it's less than a mil, um, even if it's out of a person's direction, a person would be chayev to do all these things, okay? To uh, go wash one's hands, to to uh, be metahir something, so on and so forth. This is very, very interesting that um, the halacha of four mil is not to take you off your route. However, if a person is going off their route, you are obligated to travel up until 18 minutes. You're obligated to travel up until one mil. Okay. Seems to be halach lemaisa also, by the way. Period. End of that discussion. Okay, brand new discussion. We're now going to start touching on um, the halacha of challah that became tummy.
Now, chala, we're not dealing with the lofa chala. Chala over here is referring to uh, the separation of chala from dough. How do you separate chala from dough that is tomei on, on uh, Pesach? Okay? Now, what is this talking about? We know, this is very unusual for us because we don't do this. Most of us are not going to do this and take the risk. But we know that something's only chametz once it, it was worked, once the water and flour was together for 18 minutes. What if it's together for less than 18 minutes? No problem. I want fresh matzah. I want fresh challah. I want fresh lafa. Is there any reason, any reason in the world why on Pesach morning... Any of us can't wake up, take flour, take water, knead dough for seven minutes, flatten it out, stick it in the oven. Is there any reason why I can't do that? No. It's going to bake within the, the amount of time it takes to walk a mill, and I'm good to go. Well, if I do that, I'm going to have to eat my fresh challah. If you make dough, you got to separate challah. So that's the case of our mission. Again, we're not used to this because we're all ultra careful. We don't start mixing water and flour on Pesach. Yeah, it, it's, it's too risky. But if you think about it, in halacha, why not? Yeah, go do it. So here we go. How are you mafresh chala that's in a state of toma on yomtif? You separate your chala on yomtif morning. You can't bake it for the kayin because the kayin's not allowed to eat it anymore. And you also can't allow the dough to sit there. It's going to become chametz. Here's what you do. Usually we tell you separate the dough to be chala. In this case, we'll tell you if the dough became tomei, bake all your stuff, bake all the dough within the 18 minutes, and afterwards you'll separate it once it's already baked, and now it's not chametz. Granted, the kayan can't eat it because it's tomei, but... You didn't make chametz on Pesach. Okay? The mice didn't make chametz on Pesach. Ben Becerra says, Tato B'Tzainin, keep the dough inside of cold water. Okay? And as we know, as we've already become familiar with in our Masechta, heat causes something to leaven faster. Coolness makes it take, uh, makes it take longer. And therefore, um, you should put it into cold water to prevent it from Becoming chametz. Amar Rabbi Yeshua. Rabbi Yeshua says, "Top of Amud Beis, Loize who chametz shemuzharnala by Rabbi Matzah." No, he says that it's actually not a problem. It's not a problem. Why? Because listen to this. When you he says the whole thing is not a problem. When you separate dough, who owns it? The kain. Which kain? None of them yet. Because I didn't choose who to give it to. So if you think about it, I'm making dough because I want to bake my matzah. Good. So I bake all my matzah. Now the dough that I separated is going to become chametz. Says Rabbi Yeshua, big deal. It's not yours. It's not chametz that's in your possession on Pesach. There's no specific kayan that's owning it. Let it be chametz. It's not included in Bayerah, Bayer Matzah. You don't own this anyway. Ella, what should you do? He says, cut your dough off 
and put on the side till Yom Tov's over. And if it became chametz, it's chametz. Who cares? No year ended up owning this on Pesach anyway. All right, very very interesting uh, three-way machlekes in our Mishnah, right? So again, we had on the bottom of Amud Aleph that either the the first opinion was Rabbi Lazar, whose advice was to bake everything and then be mafresh challah once it's baked, which halacha lemaisa you could do. But the Eved, if a person didn't separate their challah beforehand, you're mechuyev to separate from the challah once it's baked. He said it's, it's a B'diavid situation. Bake all your dough, now you got your matzah, and now separate matzah, it's not going to become chametz. Says Ben Becerra, no. He says that you shouldn't do that, it's, it's more ideal to keep it in cold, so this way it can't really become chametz. And Rabbi Shua says, do whatever you want, there's no problem here, let it become chametz, you don't own it anyway. All right. Very interesting, beautiful Gemara that applies to multiple places in Shas. Says the Gemara, perhaps this Machlaikas is a Machlaikas about Toivas Hanom. Toivas means if you can control something, that benefit, does it have value or not? Does it have value or not? For example, for example, somebody passes away. Somebody passes away. And they leave in their will that there should be $10,000 that goes to the poor. And Simcha Kohn should oversee how the money is divided amongst the poor. That's what leave in the will. Somebody Simcha once met in Schnooks, all right? They decide he should be the one to decide. Having the right to decision-making, does that itself have value? Does it have value? Okay? How does this apply to our Gemara? Because... If I separate Chala for the Kayan, granted, I don't own it anymore, it belongs to the Kayan, but if, not if, the Halacha is, I get to choose who gets it. If the rights to choose which Kohen gets it has value, so now I may be entering a problem. Because I kind of have a value connected to this dough. So here we go. That's has to do with Taiba Sana. Okay, benefit of overseeing something. The Rebbe Lezer holds that Toiva Sana has financial value. And therefore, what did he say? You got to bake it right away. Because if you let the dough become chametz, it's like you, you have like some ownership in this. Granted, it's the Kayans, but since you get to decide which Kayan gets it, that Hana, that benefit has value. And therefore, bake it. Rebbe Shua holds it's not mom. No, just because I have a right to choose which kind to give it to doesn't make it mine at all. And the Mela, I'm not allowed to, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm completely allowed to own this on Pesach. Not mine at all. Amara says, Lloyd, that's not necessarily what the Machlechus is about. The Kuliyama Svaras Tavasana in a moment. Maybe everybody agrees Tavasana does not consider it a financial value. 
And over here, perhaps the machoikas is the machoikas in Hail. How far Hail does? We, we uh, brought up the concept of Hail approximately a week ago. Okay? Where it's like a backup. Since you're allowed to do this, we're going to give you a, a right to do something else. Meaning, we say Hail. Meaning, since if he wants, he can take Chala, the name Chala, off of this dough. Because when I separate it as challah, it's just dependent on my words. And the same way I could remove my words by going to a bezdin. So since I could do that, it's like it's not the kayans. It's still mine. As long as I have the ability to remove the name of challah, it's still mine. It's considered his property. Rabbi Yeshua says, no, there's no, we don't say hayol in that case. And the fact that he may possibly, oh, he has the rights. To, uh, to back out does not make it yours. No, it completely still belongs to the Kayan. There's no concern whatsoever about him backing out. Okay? Here's the rule of oil to solidify this before we continue. You can have a circumstance that I am practically in right now, but as long as there's the capability to change the circumstance, since I can change the circumstance, that other possibility may already be quasi-effective. Yes, there's dough here. And yes, the dough doesn't belong to the Yisrael because he set it aside for the coin. But since he can possibly, since he can possibly change his mind, it's still like it's some, it's his property, a shtickle, according to Rebbe Liaz. Let's keep working on this mindset. Itmar, we learned, a person who bakes on Yom Tif for after Yom Tif, which we know is Usr. Okay? You're allowed to bake on Yom Tif for Yom Tif. You're not allowed to bake on Yom Tif for after Yom Tif. Rav Chista Amar Laika. Rav Chista says, you are Chayav Malkus. You transgressed a lav in the Torah. Rabba Amar Enalaika. Rabba says, no. You did not Avera, but there's no Malkus. Rav Chista Amar Laika. Rav Chista says, a Chayav Malkus. You know why? Because Lay Amin Hayu Malkus Lay Archim Chazilei. We don't say, oh, don't give him Malkus. You know why? Because I'll tell you why. Because if guests would have shown up, he would have given them this food on Yom Tif anyway. And since it's possible that 20 people will show up in the house, possible, you never know. Maybe the, you know, you got some, uh, some uh, people storming the capital. Yeah, they need, a, uh, they need a, a dinner. Yeah? Oh, you might have some uninvited guests. That's possible. Since, since uh, no. You get Malkus. You don't say such a thing. And Rabbi Omar, you know, like a rabbi says, no. No Malkus. You know why? I mean, no. We say, oh, well, ah, you baked on Yom Tif for after Yom Tif. No. Since there's a possibility, people may show up. Uninvited, you don't get Malkus. According to you, that there's a chi of Malkus, because we don't say Hayl. How can you ever cook on Yom Tif for Shabbos. You're not allowed to cook on Yom Tif for Shabbos. Amalei, he says, no, yes, you could. Like we know. Then you make an Erev Tavshilim. So that allows the Yom Tif cooking. When you have Yom Tif, that's Thursday, Friday, going into Shabbos. Ah, you're cooking on Yom Tif for after Yom Tif. Yeah. So you make an Erev Tavshilim. Okay? And it's uh, basically what it is. It's food that's made on Yom Tif. It's, uh, it's, meant, for, uh, it's meant for Shabbos. And this, this allows... Uh, the the Yom Tif cooking even for after Yom Tif. Amar Le, he's, um, uh, he's I'm sorry, 
So Rav Chista says, yeah, you made Nerev Tavshila. Says, Rabbo, Mishum Eruvi Tavshila, and Sheri Nisur Daraisa. It's also Daraisa. It's a lab in the Torah. To cook on Yom Tif or after Yom Tif. What good is your rabbinical Erev Tavshilin going to do when you're dealing with an Isser Daraisa? The rabbis don't change biblical transgressions. Amar Leir says back then, let me explain something. You should know Midaraisa. There's no transgression of cooking on Yom Tif for Shabbos. There's no transgression. You know why? Rashi tells us because we find multiple places in Chumash where Yom Tif is called Shabbos. Yom Tov is also called a day of rest. And we also find, by the way, many times where Shabbos is called a Moed. And since Yom Tif and Shabbos, those words can be interchanged, Midai Raisa, biblically, I'm absolutely permitted to cook on Yom Tif to Shabbos. But it's the Rabbanon who say, you know what, you're only going to be allowed to do this if you do an Erev Tavshil. Erev Tavshil is not removing a Daraisa, it's actually being strict on a because if you don't make an Arab Tafshilin from Yom Tif to Shabbos, people are going to think, oh, you're allowed to cook on Yom Tif even if it would be going into a weekday. Now that they established an Arab Tafshilin, so we have a hacker. Bottom line is, we find a very clear machlaikas about in, um, in this halacha as to whether we say hayil, whether you use the logic of hoel, whether we use the logic of since. One month the Omar holds, there's no Hoel, and therefore you're Chayav Malkus. Aye, people might show up, yeah, but they didn't. So you're getting Malkus. One month the Omar says, no, you do say Hoel. And since it's possible people may show up, there's no Chayav Malkus. Period. Eisve. They asked another uh, challenging question on this rule of Hoel. Behema hamisu kenes la If you have an animal that has one foot in the grave, the other foot on a banana peel. The halacha is you're not allowed to shecht it. Unless you can eat some of it while it's still yom. He's able to. Even if he's not necessarily going to do it. So as long as he's able to eat a kazayas, you could shakht it. You're not necessarily going to eat it. Why? Because, look at this. Since. Since you could. You don't have to. Since it's possible. According to me, who says hayol? Hayol v'yibayol mechal matziachal. Yeah. You don't have to actually eat it. Since, if you would want to eat it, you could. That allows me to shakht it. Yishum hachi yishchal. Because of that, you could shecht. But according to you, the Amrit Layamin Hoyl, who say there's no halach of Hoyl, Amai Yishchait, why are you allowed to shecht it? You're not going to come to eat it. It's not your intent. What is his intent? So listen to this. Before we get to the answer, I want to explain this halacha. It's very interesting. This Mishnah started out, the Brysa, I'm sorry, started out with an interesting case. What was the case? You have an animal, one foot in the grave, the other foot in the banana peel. Why are you shechting it? You're not allowed to shech that? Here's the deal. It's very interesting. The owner wants to shech it, but not because it's yamtif. He has enough meat for yamtif. He's shechting it because it's got one foot in the grave. And if this animal dies in the next three hours on yamtif afternoon, it's a tremendous financial loss. 
So he prefers on Yom Tif to shecht it. Not because he wants the meat, but because he wants to protect himself from a financial loss. He wants, he wants, to be, he wants kosher meat. If it dies before shechita, it's not kosher. So he's not shechting. You're allowed to shecht an animal on Yom Tif for Yom Tif. But he's not shechting the animal for Yom Tif. He's shechting the animal for financial reasons. Zok the Brisa. You're allowed to shecht your animal as long as it's possible to prepare it with enough time that if you wanted, you could eat a kezayas of this animal on Yom Tif. Since, there's the rule of Hayel. Since if you want to, you know, you don't have to actually have to, but since if you want to, later on, as long as it's possible, you could even shecht it now. So you see, Hayel. We see we use this rule. If not for Hayel, there's no reason why we should be allowed to shecht this animal. So Christa says back to him, It's Mishum Hefsid Mimayne. No. You're allowed to shecht it, not because of Hayel. You know why you're allowed to shecht it? Because otherwise you're going to lose money. Says the Gemara, what are you talking about? Whenever you're concerned about losing money, you're allowed to work on Yom Tif? Who was that? You're not allowed to just randomly shecht animals. You can't just do malacha because you th- you're nervous about it's going to cause you a financial loss. Where did you, you come up with that from? Amar he says, no, in. There is times. Listen to this. I'll tell you why. Granted, you're not allowed to do a malacha just to do a malacha on Yom Tif. But over here, since it's going to be a financial loss, he legitimately came to a decision in his mind, which is permitted on Yom Tif. And he said like this, in my mind, what did I say? Okay, I don't really need more meat for Yom Tif. But my animal's got one foot in the grave. I'm about to lose $500. I'll tell you what. Let's shecht it. But you can't do it. I'll eat it. Ah, you don't need it? I'll eat it. I don't want to lose 500 bucks. Says Rav Chista, when it comes to a financial loss, a person will come to a full, honest decision that, you know what? I'll eat a kezayis. It's worth it for me. And, and it's, it's as long as it's possible... It's a real decision that I made. The Efshar the Kazai is Basav Leshita. I can't eat a Kazai without Shahita. Mamela, I want to shecht it. In other words, what Rav Chista is responding is that a person is permitted to do a Malacha on Yamtif as long as they set their mind to doing it in a permitted way. If a person sets their mind to doing it in a permitted way, then even afterwards, if it doesn't pan out, you can use the rule. Of Hayu. One final question for this evening. Here we go. Eisvei, that's another challenging question. Lechem aponim, the twelve breads that were left on the shulchan for the entire week. Top of tomorrow's daf mem zayin amar alif. Nechalitishol asar lachad asar. The lacha is, you're allowed to eat it. On the day number nine, day number ten, day number eleven, Lipachis Layaiser, but you can't eat it before the ninth day and later than the eleventh day, Kate what's the case of eating Lachem upon him? Kidarka Litisha. Usually you eat the Lachem upon him on the ninth day. Meaning Nefa Bar of Shabbos. The Lachem upon him was usually baked on Friday. And Nechobashabas Latisha. 
and it was eaten nine days later, right? What happened with Lechem upon him? It would sit there from Shabbos to Shabbos, and then the Kahana would eat it. So, interestingly, although people don't do the math like this because they don't cop this, but we, we know when a baby is born on Wednesday, the bris is the next Wednesday. That's the eighth day. People think, oh, but that's only seven days later. Eight days later. Because Wednesday counts as day number one. And then there's seven more days till the next Wednesday. That's when you do it, okay? So if bread is baked on Friday and you're eating it the next Shabbos, that's the ninth day. Chaliyah is Yantaf Erev Shabbos. If Yantaf fell out on Friday, so they're going to make it a day earlier. Nechol Shabbos Lasara. Then the day they eat it, it's actually going to be the tenth day. Shnei Yom Tavs Rosh Let's say there was Rosh Hashanah. So then it was baked on Wednesday. Nechol Shabbos Lasara. It's on the beating on the eleventh day. Lefisha Eina Dechaloi Shabbos Vloi Esa Yantaf. And needed Lechem upon him. Remember, you can only bake on Yantaf for on for you can only bake on Yantaf for Yantaf. Lechem upon him wasn't for Yantaf. It was for the Mizbeach. So they had to bake it before Yantaf. So if let's say you had Rosh Hashanah Thursday, Friday, it needs to be baked on Wednesday, and the Kahanim would end up eating it eleven days later. The Amrit Sarchi Shabbos Nasim Yomtif, but according to what we're saying, that Midai Raisa. On Yomtif, you're allowed to make things with Sarach Shabbos. When was Lechma Panim put out? On Shabbos. So why Taka can't I make the Lechma Panim on Thursday and Friday of Yomtif? Yomtif. We should allow Lechma Panim to Yomtif. Why is it being put out there for Shabbos? So you see, there's a new question. You see that you're allowed to cook, uh, it, according to you, that you're allowed to cook on Yomtif for Shabbos. Why over here are we making Lechem upon him be pushed earlier? Amalei, he says back to him, Shavos, Kareva, Hitiru, Shavos, I'll tell you why. Because over here, you're not cooking the Lechem upon him for that coming Shabbos. The, remember, the Kahan are going to eat it an entire week later. The only time you let it cook on Yom Tif for Shabbos is if you have Thursday, Friday is Yom Tif, and then Shabbos. Am I allowed to cook on Thursday, Friday, Yom Tif? For Shabbos in five months? No. I can cook for that Shabbos. So that's what Rav Chist is answering. The Kahanim aren't going to eat Lechem upon him until an entire week later. That's why they're not allowed to cook it on Yom Tif. Because they're going to cook the Lechem upon him on Yom Tif, if Yom Tif's Friday, if they're eating it the very next day. But they're not eating it the very next day. They're eating it the next Shabbos. Since it's more than an entire week later, that's why you're not allowed to... Uh, that's why you're not allowed to... Uh, bake it that day. Okay? Um, let's just finish off this step. Omar Lay. I'm sorry. Ul Rav Shimming Amlio, Damar Mishom, Rav Shimming Ben Asgam, Rakunta Shimming Amlio, who quoted Rav Shimming, the son of Sgan Kain Goddard, the Dechas Yomtif, Eina Dechas Esyam Tsaim, that you're allowed to bake the Lechem upon him on Yomtif, meaning it can be made on Yomtif. But it cannot be made on Yom Kippur, Ma'ikolameimar. What are you going to say? According to him, we see that you're allowed to bake on Yom Tif for Shabbos, even if it's nine days later. According to him, you were allowed to bake on Thursday, Friday Yom Tif, even though you're eating an entire week later. So he says, This might be the Machlaikas, the Marsav, or Shavos Kravetiru. One holds that, that the only time you're allowed to cook on Yom Tif for Shabbos, if it's that very Shabbos. Another man, the Amar holds that no, even if it's later on from a different Shabbos, it is still going to be, even if it's an entire week later, an entire nine days later, it's still permitted to cook on Yom Tif for Shabbos 
that takes place nine days later. We'll hold it here, and we're up to a new question. We're going to continue the topic, Be'ezra Hashem, of, uh, uh, we're going to question whether it's actually Mutter Midairaisa to cook on Yom Tif for Shabbos.